Well, good morning. How is everybody? Good, good. Well, let me dispel a couple just miss before we get started. First of all, yes, I know what you're thinking. No, I'm not Jake. This guy's really tall, but no, I do not play basketball. Just get that out in the open. And my wife, she's kind of short too. She's like 5'2", but she doesn't play mini golf either. So just get that. If you're recruiting for any sports, just know that that's probably not a good idea for either of us. Uh, but no, I'm really grateful to be here. Um, just a little about myself. I'm from um, West By God, Virginia. Let's go Mountaineers. Nobody's going to say that back. Uh, but we moved here about a year ago for my wife to finish her doctorate degree. And she is a doctor as of like three, four weeks ago. So woot woot. Uh, super proud hubby. I knew that there would never be a doctor in front of my last name unless I married somebody smarter than me. So uh, I chose right there. But um, no, I just want to share uh, my story um, with you and, and hopefully bring some uh, revelation is, is who I am and who we all are in Christ. Um, when Jake asked me to speak, I was hoping he was going to give me something to work with, you know, like finish up a series, speak a part of a series, but no, he just left it up to me. So here I am just, you know, trying to roll with it. Uh, but he did give me an idea to just share who I am. You know, having been here a year, um, I realized that I've gotten to know quite a few of you, but uh, not near all of you. So um, before we get started, I, I do want to pray uh, just over Jake and Amy and over this, this church body. So God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this family of God. Lord, I, I thank you for our leadership uh, in Jake and, and Amy and Alex and Crystal. God, I pray blessings upon them. God, for, for the Hawkins as they battle uh, sickness in their family. Lord, I pray for supernatural healing, God. Uh, I pray for the Spencers as they get away and rest. Lord, that there would just be a sense of peace and a sense of restoration that, that comes over them. God, that your presence would be made manifest to them even on a vacation, God. That there would be such a sweet, intimate time with family um, and that they would just come back refreshed and renewed uh, with, with clear vision of, of what you're doing. God, and, and how we can be a part. Lord, I pray over us this morning uh, that you would just open our eyes, open our hearts um, to see and know what you're doing, God, that our hearts would be fertile ground uh, and good soil to receive the word implanted, God. I pray over myself that there would be clarity of thought and clarity of speech, uh, God, that, they would, um, that, that we would understand everything that you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm a banker. Um, I've encountered a couple of you in my, in my career of choice for the time being. Um, but uh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> I had, had these customers, and they were really cool people, just kind of got to know them pretty well. was with them for like an hour and a half, and then um, I helped them with all sorts of stuff. And then a couple of nights later, we were actually at Vic's restaurant. I don't think Vic's heard this story, but um, we were at Vic's restaurant, and uh, my wife and I were eating, and Paul, I don't think he's, he's not here this morning, but he's, he's a waiter up there, and uh, he was kind of waiting a lot of the tables in our section, so we were just chit-chatting with him as we walked in. Uh, he was um, waiting this table um, actually over in the corner, and then all of a sudden I see my customers walk in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we were just about finished with our meal, so I'm like, oh babe, those are my customers from the other night. They were really, really sweet. I'm going to go talk to him and say, hey, and she stops me, and she's like, babe, I promise you they are not going to remember you. I was like, listen, trust me. I'm a memorable guy. I'm funny. I crack jokes. They laugh. They're going to remember me. She's like, I am a therapist. I talk with people for an hour a week. They're sharing their most intimate details of their life and their pain they're going through. And I assure you, if I saw them outside of my office, they would not recognize me. I didn't believe her. I, I you know, 
it is what it is. So I stand up and I said, it, it'll be all right. We sign, I sign the check because I know this is going to go one of two ways, really well or really bad. And either way, I'm going to want to leave as soon as we're done. So I, I make the preparations. I sign the check. I stand up. And immediately I'm like, this is a bad idea. This is a horrible idea. So I'm walking over. And I'm, I'm here to David away. And I was like, hey, guys, you recognize me outside of the bank? And, and I rec reach out my hand and I shake his hand and I realize really quickly he didn't hear me. <laughs> he said, hey, buddy, man, it's, it's good to see you. Um, I want you to know that uh, y'all lost a really great employee with Michael. I'm like, what on earth is this cat talking about? I don't, the only Michael I know was at work today and I know he didn't quit. So I'm like, oh Lord, he thinks I'm a manager. He thinks I'm a manager checking on their visit to this restaurant. So I realize I have a couple options. I can either, I can either um, call him out and it'd be really awkward or I can just play it out. So of course I chose the right one and I, I decide, you know, I'm just gonna go with it. And then I think, then I think um, it's going downhill. His wife is sitting there and she goes, oh honey, no, 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 no. And I'm thinking, oh man, she's gonna take this away from me. She's gonna call him out, it's gonna be great. They're gonna laugh it off, they're gonna realize, oh, he doesn't actually work here. Um, <laughs> so she says, what I think is gonna save me, but she actually makes it worse. She says, he wasn't here the other night when Michael was waiting our table. <sighs> Oh for two, all right? Neither of them remember any of the jokes I cracked, remember my personality, nothing. So I'm like, I have no, no way out. So I do what any quick thinking person would do as I see Paul approaching with their drink order. I put my hand on his shoulder and I say, well, thanks for coming in today. I hope you guys enjoy your meal. Paul's gonna take great care of you. <laughs> and I ran out as fast as I could, uh, just, face as red as a tomato. It was bad. Um, and I, I tap my wife on the shoulder. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And uh, she goes out. She's like, did they remember you? I was like, no. She's like, what'd you say? I said, enjoy your meal. Paul will take great care of you. <laughs> uh, it was embarrassing. But I say that, you know, it really has very little to do with what I'm speaking about this morning. A, a little bit, I guess. I want to talk about identity and I want to talk about who we are and not faking it. And there's my segue into the message. So who I am, um, is not a waiter at a restaurant, okay? It's not, it's not a banker, but who I am is a child of God. Growing up, my dad um, was and still is a pastor, uh, and for a long time I took identity in the fact that when I went to church, I was the pastor's kid. I was the one everybody knew is the pastor's kid. Good, bad, or, or, or ugly, whatever that meant. Um, and then as I got older, I started to develop a lot of identity in, in what I did. You know, as a 13, 14-year-old kid, a lot of us, you know, are either good at like sports or video games or, or school or what have you. And, and what I was good at was playing baseball, um, you know, basketball a little bit, but then I got tall and anyway. Um, so I, I was good at baseball. And then when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I was diagnosed with um, a, a weak joint disorder. It's called Ehlers-Danlos. Basically my joints come out of socket and it's not fun. Um, but I was told that I had to stop playing baseball. And as a kid, like, that kind of hits hard. It's like, man, I'm going to go to the pros, you know? It's like the dream everybody has. Whether or not that was reality, I don't know. Um, but I was living with these two realities as, as a kid. I know God can heal me. I was raised in church. I've seen the miraculous happen. But I was also living in the reality that he hadn't. And I was still had ailments. I still had issues. But I, I learned quickly that, that what I do isn't who I am. And that came from the greatest Disney Channel original movie of all time, Brink. Has anyone, any 90s kids remember the movie Brink? Thank God. All right. So we're not alone here. In this movie, for those of you who don't know, 
Brink is a skater, not like a, a skateboarder, but like a rollerblader. And he's, he's really cool. Best hair ever. Um, what's his name? Eric Van Druten or something in real life. Anyway, doesn't matter. But in the movie, he and his group of friends are known as soul skaters. They skate for the purpose of loving to skate, right? They just do it because they love it. They didn't sell out like the other jerks in the movie who just, you know, got endorsements and skated and got paid. They did it because they loved it and they refused to get paid because they loved it. Well, about halfway through the movie, um, Brink's dad actually hurts his back and um, is, has to stop working for a time. And uh, Brink overhears a story that basically, or overhears his parents talking and basically kind of comes to himself that, man, I'm 16 years old, 17 years old. I need to get a job so I can support my family. Um, you know, first of all, as a kid, that's not a, a burden you should bear. But second of all, he turns to what he's good at to find his identity. And he starts, he signs, um, what was it? Signs an endorsement with the X-Blades, okay? So he sells out, his friends disown him, it's a bad situation, and then the high point, or the low point, I guess, of the movie, um, Brink is at home, and his dad comes to him and said, son, up until a few months ago when I got hurt, I would introduce myself in my name, and I would say, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a construction foreman. Until now, you would introduce yourself and say, my name is Brink, and, and I'm a skater. But the revelation that I, that I learned is what he said next. He said, what you do is not who you are. Because who you are has to be found in something greater than yourself. It has to be found in something greater than what you do. So that was the revelation first that I got that our identity is not. Something else that our identity is not is a revelation I got when I was a little bit younger, actually. It's not an infirmity. It is not an issue that you're facing. When I was... I don't know, six or seven years old. I've not really shared this with a lot of people and definitely not in this sort of setting, but um, I developed a tick disorder and uh, I, I struggled with it for a long time. It began to get worse as I got older. And when I was about 13, I was officially diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. Um, and in that, you know, as that age is kind of formative years, you start developing a lot of sense of self-worth and identity. Um, I kind of struggled to not find identity in the fact that I had an issue with me. I tried to, you know, I, I struggled with not going to school and thinking that people are staring at me because I have a problem because I can't stop twitching. You know, since then, it's gotten better. It's waxed and waned. I've taken medication for it. But still yet, there's this sense of identity that we tend to have when we have something wrong with us. You look at, look at um, the story of the lame man at the gate, and if we could just turn to John 5, um, beginning in verse 2 says this, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been there, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another step, steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. And once the man was healed, he took up his bed, and he walked. Isn't it interesting that Jesus bothered to ask? You almost think to yourself, that's a dumb question. But it's not. I mean, Jesus doesn't make you ask dumb questions. Oftentimes, he, he asks questions to really make us think about our answer, uh, even though he knows the answer that we're going to give. And of course, the man said, yes, I want to be healed. And, and you're thinking to yourself, why would he even bother asking this? Well, think about this. 
All this man knew for 38 years of his life was how to be a paralyzed man laying at the gate. That, that was his identity. His identity was found in the fact that he was a beggar who was laying at a gate. And what Jesus was really asking him was not, do you want to be healed? It's, are you willing to give up all that you know and all that you know about yourself in exchange for the healing and the life that I have to offer you. See, he, he didn't know how to work. He didn't know how to provide. He didn't know how to, to not talk about himself as the lame man. So Jesus is actually saying, listen, I'm going to give you something new, but you have to be willing to give me everything you are in exchange. So identity is not found in our infirmity. So we know that identity is not what we do. It's not in our infirmity. So what is identity? See, it's crucial for us to understand who we are in order to operate in all that God has for us. As a matter of fact, think about what happened um, at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist, and what happened? The Spirit descended like a dove, and a voice from heaven cried out and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, we are children of God. That's what, when, um, let me see here. We are children of God, and we are co-heirs with Jesus. See, it, it's our inheritance to be children of God. And the first thing that, that we see of Jesus, or one of the first things we see of Jesus, is a declaration of who he is. Matter of fact, the declaration of identity is the same thing that his church is built on in Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I, the son of man, is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to, him, said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that, that we are also children of God. In verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, you may not know this, but Alex and I aren't actually brothers. He's, he is a cooler older brother figure, you know, but we're not actually related. We have the same hair, same beard. We play music, whatever. But in Christ, we are brothers. We are joint heirs with Christ and with one another. So we are family of God. So we are family with one another, and we are children of God. And everything that Jesus has access to, he actually said it uh, right after he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what he's saying is, you are heirs as I am an heir, and you have access to everything that I have access to. If we learn to walk in that, that's how we find our identity in Christ. I highlighted this earlier as we talked about identity not being what we do, um, but who we are. And if you look at 
the declaration of God, um, it's not in that he, not just in that he created the universe, not just in that he loves, but in that he says, I am love. I am the creator of the universe. But he simply says in Exodus 3, I am. I love this. In Exodus 3, beginning in, in verse 10, this is where um, God is commissioning Moses to, um, to go to Pharaoh and, and free the Israelites. And uh, he, he says this. He said, Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I'll be with you, and this will be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses, Moses said, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this to the people of, of Israel, I am has sent me to you. See, before God did anything, he was. Before God loved, he was love. Think about, think about it in the sense of like, um, like an apple tree, right? If you required an apple tree to grow fruit before it was an apple tree, that would be absurd. Because it's an apple tree, it grows apples, right? Because he is love, he loves. So everything comes out first of who he is, not what he does, okay? Now, here's something interesting um, I heard from, from a guy named Jonathan Kahn, and I'm just going to read it because I, I can't really just explain it all that well. But uh, try to follow along. This is really, it was a huge revelation to me. Um, it's a story of, uh, of a teacher and a student, and it really brings revelation of him being I am and who we are in revelation of that. So the teacher asked me this, do you know the name of God? Student said, I don't, I don't know that I do. He said, it's made up of four Hebrew letters. The Yud, the He, the Vav, and the He. Or Yahweh, or as we say, Jehovah, or Yahweh. It's the most sacred of names, so sacred that some even refuse to say it, and yet you say it all the time. The student said, the secret name of God, how can I? How could I when I never even knew it? And he said, when you speak of yourself, you say the name. Student said, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. The teacher said, when you feel happy, you say what? I am happy. When you're not, you say, I am sad. And when you tell others who you are, you say, I am, followed by your name. See, Yahweh means I am. It's the name of the eternal. In order to speak of yourself, you have to say his name. It's woven into the fabric of our DNA. That when you say, I am, whatever you are, it comes from his, him first. Isn't that good? So the student says, so then we all say his name. The teacher said, yes, and you've always said it. And he said, why is that? He said, it's because your existence comes first from his existence. See, he is the I am of all existence, the I am of all I ams. Your I am only exists because of his, and you exist from him, so it is only from him that you can find the reason and purpose of your existence. Therefore, when you say your name, you must always speak his name, and you must always speak his name first, because his existence is first and yours flows forth from his. That's how it works. Therefore, you must put him first and let everything flow from that. Let everything begin with that and flow forth from him. See, that's, that's the secret to not live 
for him, to not live for something, to not try to do anything to prove yourself, but to live from the identity that you have in Christ. To not only live for him, but to live your life from him, to live from his living, to move from his moving, and to act from his actions, to feel from his heart, to be from his being, and to become who you are from who he, hit, who he is, and that is I am. Romans 11 verse 36 really encapsulates this so well. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. See, if we realize that, that we don't have to win anything to be a winner, we are winners, therefore we win. We are more than conquerors through Christ, right? We don't have to prove ourselves by doing or accomplishing anything. It is in doing things, we have to do it from a place of knowing who we are. That gives purpose behind our actions. That gives meaning. That gives identity in who we are. Later on in, in Romans, uh, and I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time on this, but it, it basically says that creation is groaning for the sons of, sons of God to be revealed. Who are the sons of God? Those, they're the ones led by the Spirit of God. Therefore, if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. So creation knows who you are. It's, it's creation that's waiting on you to realize who you are. Isn't that good? All right. So I, I, it wasn't you know, real long this morning. I'm not a long-winded kind of guy, but I do want to take a second and pray over us um, just for awakening in our identity. Um, so God, this morning, I, I just thank you so much for your, your I am, for your existence, God, that we aren't striving to become anything, to do anything. God, that, that we simply rest in who you are and all things come forth from that. Lord, I pray this morning that if there be anybody who's, who doesn't find their identity in you, who hasn't found their identity in you, God, that there would be a revelation, Lord, that, that Christ loved us and died for us and was raised again so that we can be grafted into the family of God, so that we can be, um, so that we can be one with you and one with one another, God and that we would realize the love you have for us. Lord, you are so good to us. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.